Hey, Luna, just kick this off. I was wondering something. Hmm. Have you have you ever <laughs> have you ever had an argument with somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of arguments with people. Oh really? Um not arguments, but uh I find in the last 10, 15 years that if something's bothering me, I will confront it. And that obviously will lead to arguments. And I've built my mindset up so much that I'm right before I do finally pounce on it that there's really, I don't leave them a lot of ways out and it makes things worse. So I feel like I'm learning how to argue more and more now. But to answer your question, I think I know what you're getting at there. Yes, you and I had a major, major blowout probably two weeks ago now, yeah, 10 days ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Boy, that was... uh so we'll just let's go back and forth on that because I, sure. I it, it's a it's it, it's an it was an interesting thing that happened and um, on the uncut I think it's you know I don't mm. know people have arguments people are hurting people are you know right and people are wrong and and they can be though both those things at the same time and and I so I think it's it's an interesting thing to talk about what what happened mm-hmm. so uh, let's see how to start um, oh okay. So, so as many people have noticed, um, so nine one one calls have been waning a bit, a bit, a lot bit, um, and there's a, there's a multiple multitude of factors on on what that is. We we know that nine one one calls podcast is a flagship for us. We we know this, and yep. you would you would as the listener in your earballs, you would hear it coming a mile away if we were ever going to put this show to bed. Uh, but because you didn't hear anything, uh, that was indicative of the fact that there were a lot of factors that just kind of, I don't know, crept in, showed up at the door, and we were dealing with to, uh, to get right back here where we're at now. But it was there were massive delays. Um. Some being the store, <laughs> right? Uh, others being that we were starting new podcasts, right? Like the Hugs podcast was was kicking off, um, and uh, it, it, for anyone that doesn't know, if you've if you've ever created a podcast that fails, <laughs> uh, you know what you did wrong, and so it compels you to 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 put the right amount of rigor into your next effort and that anytime we start a show now we know that it takes an uh, a predetermined amount of time to to get a show off the ground and it takes effort and it takes it ultimately it takes money because you know we we our effort our time is 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 money right we're, money. we're burning burning yeah. money that could be paying the bills Anytime we do that. So we're getting a show off the ground. What else what else was going on at that point? Well the thing with the operator and I is that when we first met, we talked every day for like six, eight hours a day. I mean, our yeah. uh significant others would be like, Whoa, you are you married? dating him now? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. FaceTime too. Up? It wasn't even to Marco. We were FaceTiming like six hours a day. Like live. Yeah, because we've been through a lot when it came to the the whole thing with the previous podcast that we were involved with, with and yeah. all that. And there was just a lot. We, we had made some big decisions and we, we were going all in together. We dropped 
dark topic. We go with Crime Machine, and, and Crime Machine kind of doesn't do what we wanted to do. And now we're scrambling to to try to make this 911 calls work. I'm bringing dark topic back, and it's like, hey, if this doesn't work, we can't really, we'll be friends still, but we can't be business partners because this isn't, you know, you can't just have a hobby right. doing this. We're going to have to go get real jobs if this doesn't work out. So we went through so much together, and our friendship is very... I mean, I've never had a friend who I'm so close with uh, because of all the things that we worked through together and, and shared with each other and been through together as well. Yeah, likewise. And up until recently, uh, you and I had kept that up. And when things started to kind of take off a little bit with 911 and and now we got Kent on board and just a lot going on, we kind of tapered off. Like we stopped talking to each other as much. And then this store comes around and the store is taking longer than we thought it was going to take. And I'm over here thinking, I got to keep this thing going. So I'm starting to get some animosity towards the operator where I'm like, what the f- what's going on with this? Where's 911? Where's, you know, yeah. where's all this? And I'm not talking to him. So I don't realize how, how in the weeds he is with this store situation, how much work it is with him and his family and everything they're doing. So when, the, when it finally came to a head, and I was very blunt about it, about what's going on, we both hadn't been communicating enough. And all the little things came out like monsters when they should have just been small little, they came out like a forest fire when they should have been small little fires. We should have been snuffing it along the way in a communicative, healthy relationship that we had kind of fallen away from with how busy we had gotten. Yep. Well, and we had, uh, in small ways, well, December was another disaster because of the store. And so the store I hate saying the store. I hate it. Right. Like I I do. It's a swear word. And it has become, because it's something where like it happens on this end. uh, There is no visibility for even the customer. They don't even know when the crap they're going to get their stuff. Right. So all of that, the quick note on that, we're making massive adjustments to be announced about how this will go in the future, if it goes in the future and when it goes in the future as far as merch and all that. But that being said, it was a giant blind spot for 1159 media is a blind spot because the store, all of it's produced, it's all produced and everything by my other apparel company, which sounds big and official, but it's me and my wife, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and my neighbor. So, uh, uh, it, 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 once it left 1159's purview, uh, it was it was a black a dark spot, and then um, I I couldn't really I didn't want part of it was I didn't want to add a bunch of noise to our conversations on 1159 uh, up and above stores open stores closed hey here's how many orders blah blah you know little things. But as far as the day-to-day minutia and everything that was happening and the impact that having so many orders come through that did was, you know, there were too many, too many operational things to annoy you, Jack, with. But by avoiding uh, exp- kind of giving you a rundown and keeping you as you should have been uh, abreast of what was going on because it's, you know, you're, you're invested in that. Right. Uh, that, that, you know, it benefits 1159. Uh, we both kind of took angles from it where it's like, uh, uh, and after December, we both resolved, we're, we're, we're like, the store is not as important. 
And then at the same time, you know, it was closed and everything. So we're like, okay, when should we do this nightmare again? If we do it and we were like, okay, sometime in July, maybe. So, yeah. Um, and so that's that kind of that, that banner of the store is not as important kept me from like just saying, Hey, can I have an hour of your time? I'll explain everything that's happening with the store, blah, blah, blah. And so what I was giving you was what I give everybody which is, I know I committed to something for you, but I'm not there yet. So let me be affable and uh, adorable and give you a bunch of excuses on where you are in, in my stack. And that got old. And it got really old after we had done a TCK episode. And I was still, was it Hugs or TCK? TCK. TCK. Yeah, I believe it was TCK. Yeah, you're right. And, and uh, it, it was going on a week and a half in the edit. And that should be like, well, like we've talked about, it's a four or five hour edit for me, you know, tops. And uh, so you and I, we collided on that thing, right? Yeah. I came at you and I said, Hey, listen, I didn't even, I wasn't even trying to be nice, but I'll do this. I mean, it's a really immature way to handle things, but I'll assume that the other person should be meeting my expectations, which is not fair. And then when they don't, I'll begin to ramp up. I'll even talk to myself in the mirror about the argument that's going to happen. I, I'm assuming it's going to happen. And I'll, how am I going to cover this angle or this angle? Instead of being like, hey, listen, I'm starting to feel this way. Can you explain to me why I shouldn't feel this way? You know, yeah. can you help me not feel this way about <laughs> how I'm feeling about you right now? Instead of saying that, I go, listen, this is getting old. Give me all the stuff you got on your plate. I'll handle it if you can't do it. Yeah, that's what I say. That causes you to be like, you have no idea how much stuff I'm doing, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know how much stuff you're doing. I, I don't think you're doing anything, right? And, and then it's like, then you're coming. It's an argument. We had a massive argument. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever release the Marcos at some point. I don't think we should. It, it no. was pretty nasty. So we go back and forth, and I am I'm wiped out. I am mid edit. Um, and also, uh, we'll, and we'll, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about where I've come to with the store. But um, just literally one operational problem after another. And it wasn't like, you know, like, oh, these, 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 these uh, packing slips are printing weird. Let's adjust that. Beep, boop, boop. Okay, let's move on to the next problem. This was stuff like the, the universe giving me a middle finger on something ridiculously simple for like a whole day. And then I'm like, it's midnight and suddenly it starts working. I'm like, holy crap. And there were like weeks of that though. Yeah. And I got to the point, I told you, Jack, where I was like, this, this feels like me being a spiritual person that this has happened before in my life. When I feel when, when, when I have talent and ability and the capability to do anything, but I set out on a path with my talent and my ability and my capability to do anything. And I start down a road and I start doing something. And then I realize, oh, this is, this is harder than it should be. And it's consistently harder than it should be. And then um, the way I respond to that is I'm like, maybe this is, maybe this is God telling me, hey, you can do this. But it's one, I got a better plan for you. Mm -hmm. I got a better idea on what you could be doing that could make you happier. And so I am left to 
my literally my own devices and i am i find that in my life you know you hear like an mma fighter finish a, a battle and then he's like i just wanted to give all thanks to jesus you know yeah. the, so that that's sort of overused and it's sort of in one ear and out the other special especially for non-christians or whatever but i do believe that in my efforts are supplemented greatly my talent and ability and what i set out to do is supplemented greatly by god i believe that if i'm moving in a direction that he wants me to move that i that i i'm assisted in that direction um it's kind of hard to explain but but when it's not there when the lack of that is is very evident i feel it more because in my my recent in the last eight, 10 years, I've felt that a lot. And so I'm used, very familiar with it. And so here I am mired in 1300 orders. I can't get the, I can't get the sticker printer to produce anything that's worth selling, you know, sending to any, it's just one thing after another. And I'm hemorrhaging money. I'm hemorrhaging time. Uh, I'm trying to give you excuses. I'm trying to post on social media and not gain favor, but just I got to say something and all this is happening. And then, and then I let my pride get in the way because you say, just give it to me. I'll do it. And, and then I'm like, Oh, will you? Oh, will you? You know? And then, and then I do what I should have done all along, which is rather than commit to a bunch of stuff and then go dark on everybody that I'm committing things to until I feel like I've got time to get it done. I just unload on you, on everything. And Jack, I, I haven't mentioned this to you yet, but I wanted to say I'm embarrassed about something that I did. One, uh, I, I let my temper, like from the, from the moment that argument started, my temper was on full display. I was raging. I was angry. I, there was no, there was no decorum in my dialogue whatsoever, but I realized something afterward that, I did, and I apologize. Uh, sorry. I did something that I don't think was fair. I assumed that I would get angry, and I was trying, now that I look back on it, I was trying to push you to be angry too, so that I felt justified in the level of anger I was bringing and you pissed me off because you never got angry. Like you never yelled, you were calm and composed. And in my mind, this is, this is the way I was trying. I'm like, this dude's been through everything. He's seen every fight known to man. He's, he's been at the lowest lows in his life. Why can't I get this guy to yell. Why can't I get this guy to come unhinged so that I feel justified in being unhinged? And that's not fair. I, I pushed you to a point and, and I, I, I felt like I was abusing what I felt I knew about your past. And I was trying to drag that out of you. Um, so that I felt better right. about losing it from the very beginning. And that, that was a very terrible thing to do. I didn't feel that <clears throat> just so you know. I knew that you were frustrated. I'll tell you what I took from the whole thing, man. I knew that you were you were grabbing and you were throwing at me, and I started to do the same thing a little bit too, right? Like I said, you have little fires and things that burn in the background, and then you turn them into forest fires. I really, in that argument, was trying to just stick to the point, right? I've been in a lot of arguments in, in my life, 
And but that one with you, because I love you so much. We spent so much time together. I what I was realizing, it didn't matter what you were saying to me. It mattered how you were saying it. Yeah. Uh, what I was questioning was your passion for what we do. And I was seeing that passion. So that kept me calm. I was like, oh, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm wrong. Like I was question, I was saying, like, I don't trust you. I said that to you. I said, I, I don't trust that you're doing the things that you say that you're doing. Yeah. And it took me a little while, and I'll get to that in a second, where I was like, you know what? I do trust that he is because now I'm seeing it. You showed me the big production you have going on in the background. You got a flea market going on behind <laughs> your studio right now. Um, but I didn't see see any of that. Uh, if you had to come at me like, you know what, man? I don't know. I just, I'll tell you what I was expecting in a way. Because I've seen it in other people too, where they'll promise a lot. And then when it comes time and they don't come up with it, and I, I'll confront them about that in my life, they just kind of wilt. Mm. And you weren't wilting. You were just, you were like, I do care is what you were saying. It doesn't matter what you were saying. You were telling me that you cared in, in your passion, right? And I was already forgiving the whole situation as it was happening. I was just a little dumbfounded because I had all this ammunition and I didn't want to fire it. I was like, I got all this stuff and I don't want to fire it. And I threw a few. Um, anyways, it was really, it was really difficult, man. And uh, I said some things too. The main one being, I don't trust you. And I, I've taken that back. Um, what, what did I say? You told me what I said. Yeah. So it was just, just, just so everybody knows, here's how low it got. Yeah. There was a point where we're like, we're done. And, and I came back right after that very stoic and like a total business jerk. And I was like, okay, so here's how we're going to divide the assets. And here's the process I think we should take. And, you know, if this is the way it's going to go. It's that's the way it's going to, and we're literally talking about dismantling a little tiny empire that we've created yeah. that's bigger than, than really anything you and I, or you or I have ever built before. Yeah. And, uh, it got to that point. So we were literally the last, I don't know, what maybe 10 Marcos was just you and I talking through how we were going to shut this thing down. Yeah. And then uh, I know I know on my end, what I did was I was raging still. We weren't done. And and we had calmed down, but we were just talking about how we were going to end this thing, how we were going to button it up, part it out, and go our separate ways and what would happen to Kant and what would, you know, and we were like, okay, fine. Yeah, fine, fine, fine. And yeah. I was so angry still. I went in the house and uh, I, I went to my wife and I was like, I need you to see these Marcos. And I started from Marco number one and we went through all of the Marco Polo messages back and forth. And I think I'm garnering support as I'm doing this. But I wasn't. <laughs> I I walked away from her because she she was disgusted in my approach. She was disgusted in what I was saying, and she was hearing things that you were saying that I ref was reluctant to hear that you were saying, or in the tone that I I wanted to hear that you were saying. Fine, give it to me. I'll do it. And she was like, he's, he's telling you to give him stuff to take it off your plate, stupid. And I was like, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying it. Yeah, yeah those are the words, but that's not the, you know. So I'm like <laughs> yeah. doing all this. I walked away from her. I was like, you're not my friend, <laughs> you know. And I stormed yeah. downstairs and I'm laying on the couch and I'm just, uh, tears are streaming down my face. I, I have no idea. 
what like this is that moment i think where like someone else takes a bat and goes out and like breaks car windows or something you know something i had that much rage pent up and i didn't know what to do about it when i went to uh my girl about the same thing she said you always do this to me too though i'm very thankful to you to your wife by the way and i hope that she hears this and knows this because i haven't been able to say that but she's the reason why we were able to come to terms with this whole thing so quickly after it happened and i'm going to read the uh, message that you sent me that kind of squashed the whole thing but i was i was really upset too like for as long as i spent um trying to give you the impression that I don't care. I I can survive this no matter what, you know, I was saying to you like, Hey, if you can't handle it, I can figure this out. I've been in this situation multiple times in my life. I don't need you kind of thing. I was saying, yeah. and I, I don't mean that I absolutely need you. I, I'm so aware that I had 300 patrons on Patreon before you and I met. I'm super aware that we canceled dark topic and came back with uh, 911 calls and suddenly we have 3,000 people on Patreon. I couldn't have done that by myself. I know that you, you're the reason why. The operator, the, everything behind the scenes, the business side, your ability to promote us. Um, you, you imbued some love into our podcast that I had no love in Dark Topics. People will say, like, no, Jack, you make us feel love all the time. I get a lot of loving messages, but I'm very negative and dark and antisocial, and you're the opposite. And you made these people feel comfortable to come here. I regret saying that. It takes a village idiot. You know, that's the term. Yeah. It takes a (laughs) village idiot. That's what, you know, that's what it is. (laughs) But she said to me the same way that uh, your girl said to you, like, he cares about you. He cares about this. He's not trying to, you know, step on your neck. He's trying to, in his own way, pick you up and, and be on the same level. Although it's very passive aggressive the way that I went about it. And you're correct in that. She said, you need to relax. You're not in a fist fight right now. You're in a business relationship. Like mm-hmm. you need to grow up. See my, even though you say that I was calm in that argument, I was not calm when I was away from it. Like I was, I was thinking about how do I hurt this guy? How mm-hmm. do I just tell him? How do, how do I tear him apart and show that I'm the, I'm the victor here, you know? And 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 time and and experience has taught me that that's not the best way to go about it, and it's very manipulative. When you say that I I was not reacting in an aggressive manner like you wanted me to, the reason why I wasn't isn't because I'm wise or whatever else. That's manipulation. I knew that that's what you were. That's what this argument needed for me to lose. Yeah. So dang it, <laughs> she said to me, "You need to just tell him how you feel about him. Uh, uh, you need to just." Get away from all this spiraling out of control argument and center it back to where you want it to be. Do you want this? Do you want this to stay intact? My answer is yes. Yeah. So start to change, change the change the subject. And I and I did. But anyways, you're the one who stepped forward first. And as we're sitting there, both of us thinking this whole thing's over. And one of the things you said to me was, We're gonna break a lot of people's hearts. And and uh I didn't even respond to you saying that. It just upset me because I knew I was like, I don't even know if I can come back from this. Um, you said, do you mind if I read your message? You, yeah, go ahead. I, so the the setting is I <laughs> just walked away from my wife and I was livid, livid. And now I had two people that I was, you know, wanting to throw all of my fiery darts at. I go downstairs, I'm laying on the couch. <laughs> my son comes down, Sam 2.0. Comes down, he's like, uh, Dad, all I have to say is 
I don't think you should stop doing 1159 media. You know, he was freaked out because he, he heard me. He, he was around the corner listening to the Marcos. Oh, no. And he comes down, and I could tell I, I shook him. I really shook him. And I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed because of my me too. anger. I was embarrassed. You know. So I'm laying on the couch, and I'm like, I, all the, all, I've never, I promise you, I've never in my life had one of those thoughts where it's like, I just want to wake up. I just want to wake up. I just want this to have been a dream. Yeah. I've never, I've, I've always been composed enough where at least I feel like, you know, I, I I walked away with my pride, but this time my pride was all I all I had on display, and it was a terrible display. You know, I gotta tell you, man. Not not just you, for me too. I've I've never I've been through some things. I've talked about them, and uh, I've never felt so empty. Like I I just I when we finally were just we we were quiet for about fifteen minutes, and I'm laying there in bed. And I'm trying to figure out where, what do I do next? Like, how do I, how do I fix this or how do I move on from this? And then I get a message uh, and you say, go out. <laughs> I'm still raging. My ego is on absolute fire. My pride is a 10,000 foot wall. And I just showed all of our argument to your wife. And she said that I was wrong. I'm so blind with rage right now. And the only thing I could think to do is to write you this. This is no closure right now. I want to pretend like tonight has been a dream and I'll wake up from it. I'm so pissed off and I love you. I don't know why I'm writing this. And I immediately wrote back, I love you too, Sam. Yeah. Right? Yep. And that was it. That was and it. And you said, you said, if we can, let's not break this up. And I said, I'd rather not too. I feel sick about it. And then we we started to move. Yep. We started to move towards, we stayed quiet for a few days. And then you and I have been talking as much as we possibly can uh, going forward, and I think that we'll 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 be stronger for it. But it was really bad. It was really it, it was. was really really bad. It was. I agree. You know, and um, we both we both said things that are that that were hard. And I think that the takeaway there is you can't take things back. Sometimes no. uh, the best you can do is like what you said so eloquently two days you know two days ago was I meant it. And now I don't, you know, like, like that you right. can change your mind. You can, you can say something hurtful and you can, you, and you can change your approach. You can change your mind about something. Yeah. But once you say it, it can be hard to walk it back. And, and, uh, you know, we, we, you and I stare at each other through, you know, through the screen so much to do this business that, uh, it requires us to have us, we, we can't have that kind of weight. No. However, no, you know, if we want to be, neck. if we, if we want to be genuine to the people who are listening and all that with our relationship and the way that we talk about things, we can't pretend that th this thing is not going on or, or it hasn't happened. And that's why I took a couple of days. I said that to you just now before we started this and decided to talk about it is that I personally couldn't come back and talk to you until I really felt like the words I was speaking meant something. Like I, if I had a continued going with the way that I was thinking, cause I hadn't worked them through yet. I'm not going to say all the things I want to say right now because we've already gone on enough about it. But here's here's a lesson for me. Sometimes just staying quiet, like just staying silent and and giving it time and giving it room. Often we don't have that um, option because we live maybe with the person or they're, they're mm -hmm. our father or they're our mother and they're around us all the time. They're consistently messaging you and they need to come and pick the kids up and it's right there in your face. We have the luxury of giving ourselves a few days. And after those few days, it has felt all of the... Um, pent up 
frustrations and things that I was feeling kind of melting away. And what was melting it away was your passion in the argument. It wasn't what you were saying so much. It's just that I saw that the passion was there. And that's what I was questioning. And that's what I meant by not trusting you. Because yeah. um, I know I feel this passion too. And you said a lot of things that are true about me too. Dark topic isn't as consistent as, as it should be. You don't know what I'm doing half of the time. This is a thing that I kept on saying. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see any content coming out. I don't see anything. So you're saying you're busy all the time. I see you in the studio. What are you doing? You're just like going out to the studio, sending me Marcos, acting like you're in there working. I'm saying <laughs> things like that. And you're like, dude, you're like in the house with the kids. Like, how are you working? I'm like, I'm on my phone. You're like, well, send me your phone and I'll like <laughs> verify that you're like, that's what we got to do. If we got to check it. And it was getting really, and at the end of it, it needed to happen. I think a lot of you are probably feeling frustration with us when it comes to 911 and stuff that we promise and all that kind of thing. We're human. The way the operator and I have always been is we we have big, big dreams. Yeah. And if we could fulfill a quarter of those dreams, then we've succeeded. But something that I think we both learned too is not to overpromise. I mean, it's something it's like our mantra at this point is underpromise, over deliver rather than over-promise and under-deliver as we have all through our career together. That's true. It's also, it's a bit heartbreaking to know that, and and uh, anytime you set out to fulfill your dreams, it, there, there will be inevitable collateral damage. We will create a show at some point that a modicum level of people love, but it it's not enough people to justify the effort, a la crime machine, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. Chasing your dreams is is also uh, there's a component of heartbreak the whole way whether it's your own heartbreak or you break in other people's hearts because you know you 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 ended something that that you know, people felt passionate about it's but so what, scary how close it was too we we were we were there we oh, were, we were negotiating how to get away from each other and how we're going to figure this out going forward but we're now we're back we are back stronger than ever i want to ask you something yeah unless you have more that you wanted to uh, no, get out no, on that I think, but i think we said more than enough there yeah i'd say so um I don't have a lot of, I, I, I have bad dreams, mm-hmm. but after that, I started getting them a, a lot. Like I was, uh, especially in that few days where it was still a little bit up in the air and that particular night where it was like something was coming to get me. It, it was like, I'll tell you exactly the dream that I had and then we'll get into the episode and you can tell me, tell me what's going on with you. Cause this is how we decided to actually start talking about this. Cause I asked you, I was like, have you been having bad dreams? Lately? Yeah, Cause right. <laughs> yeah. so we have all these, uh, yellow jackets, like wasps in our neighborhood right now, a guy cut down some trees and he, he ruined a nest and now they're everywhere. And now I'm starting to see that they had built like a colony all around my house. They're in the house. They're up underneath the, um, siding and all that stuff. And I've been trying to kill them. Right. And I've been getting bitten. I've been getting stung. And uh, PTSD is a term that's overused big time. But when I was 14, I think I've told the story before, a friend of mine, my brother was there, threw a rock at a wasp nest just outside this cabin that we were hanging out in. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ran into the cabin like we were supposed to do after we hit the wasp nest. He ran in with my brother and uh, shut the door on me. And I could hear my brother screaming at him, right? And I'm getting stung like crazy. So I run into the woods. I got stung almost 50 times. Jeez. And uh, I was just getting beaten by them. Like, you know how they come in? They, yeah. Like the, As a gang. But first. Yeah, oh. but first. Right. 
So I've always joked about that experience, and I tried to get to the water, and I couldn't. And finally, they, they let go of me, and my brother, I, I got reunited with him at some point once they calmed down. And he's in this cabin with this weird older dude this whole time. And it was just a very, if you talk to Leroy about it, um, he would probably tell you the exact same story and how it affected our psyches, you know, because him and I were so close, like mm-hmm. our childhood and stuff. Him and I were, we had each other. And to be split apart in that, and then for me, his almost, I don't want to say that I was his protector, but in a way, you're an older brother, right? Yeah, and for me are. to be getting slammed by these wasps outside there and running away, and he's stuck with this guy, and he's screaming at him to open the door, and he won't because he thinks. Anyways, so I'm killing these, trying to kill these things, and they start swarming me. And uh, I have a freak out mentally. I'm, I'm, I'm calming it in my mind, like outwardly. Nobody's seeing it, but. I know going to bed that night that I'm not right with mm. what's going on with you and I um, and what had just happened with these bees, with these yellow jackets. So I have this dream, and it's me and my girl and our youngest, our three-year-old, and we're looking at property because we're thinking about moving because too many people mow their lawns around here. I don't know if you heard <laughs> me mention that. <laughs> and, uh, and too many people have big trains, too. That's weird. <laughs> so... She goes to this outbuilding and it's getting dark. And she's like, I'll go down and check it out. So she goes down the stairs and I'm standing there with Charlie, my youngest, our youngest. And she comes screaming back up the stairs and she runs past me and Charlie. And Charlie starts to go towards the house. And I'm turning to her, like, what are you doing? And normally, if somebody has a freak out like that, if they saw a spider or yeah. a squatter or a bats, they would, they would stop about 15 feet into their run and be like, oh, my God, there's bats in there. Oh, my God, there's other. She just kept going. So I'm like, there's something in there. Like, there's something coming to get her. And she's so scared, she's left me and her son behind. Ugh. And Charlie's going towards this dark alcove, and all of a sudden, bees come out. Oh, they, the swarm of just, uh, you know, the green mile when he goes, oh, yeah, all the gnats come out of his mouth. Yeah. That comes envelops Charlie and then envelops me. And then I'm waking up and she's and Courtney, it, sorry, my girl, I, I, who cares? Her name's Courtney. <laughs> she's, she's, she's waking me up and I wake up and I don't, I, I know it has something to do with the bees and my, my, um, my previous experience with them too, but it also, tied into I think the darkness I was feeling from our our argument I was having more and more dreams of that like being out of control yeah waking up and just feeling disconnected from my goals and how solid I feel about myself and my abilities it all fractured from that argument too uh, how, were you feeling some of that as well like it could all just fall apart like it was like sand going through your hands yeah yeah I was I was instantly I, I haven't dreamt in forever um but I learned two things after that uh because it was the it was the most traumatic thing i've dealt with in a a a good hot while um so i was like oh i should take some of these cbd gummies that i have and realized something and you know i guess you know people realize this but not being a a substance consumer really of much uh, i realized it doesn't doesn't work for me uh i i have I have very colorful texture, rich dreams, but they're very dark or um the best way to put it like this is the this is the scenario that that sums up the emotional kind of uh mixture recipe that's in my dreams when I consume CBD stuff is when I was younger 
my a friend of mine, his sister committed suicide. But before committing suicide, it came, it, we, we, we all found out that all of her friends knew that she was going to commit suicide. And there were all of these notes from her friends, but they weren't notes like, please don't do this. They were like, we're going to miss you when you're gone. Oh man, it's going to just be, I don't know how I'm going to deal, but they were the Gothic kids and they were all like, you know, macaroni and sorrow all the time. And so they were just, they, they bought into that. This was part of the lifestyle that she was going to commit suicide. And she did, she pulled it off, but that desensitized lack of like obvious, uh, human alarm, what is kind of the, the recipe of the dreams that I was having, like just dark and, and, and just a drubbing, like mm-hmm. everybody in the dream, including myself was sort of that, oh, be really sad when you're gone. You know, like it wasn't, mm-hmm. nobody had the right emotions in my dreams for, for what was happening. And I was finding myself consumed and I'd wake up just in a dead sweat or a dead panic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was ever since then. So yeah. You know, what's, uh, for as much as I talk about for for me my, my drinking and my substance abuse issues in the past, which I want everybody to know, I'm not a cokehead. I make these jokes and stuff, but I haven't done any hard drugs for like a year and a half, right? And that's not something I talk about too much either. But like I, I've I've overcome some substance abuse issues and not talked about much, but like I'll use it as a point of humbling, like where I'm like I'm not even as much as I try to talk myself up, I'm a very insecure person and I have these weaknesses. And I'll be honest with you, there's times where there's listeners who will message me and, and they'll attack me for that kind of thing. When when I disagree with them or online, if I disagree with them, I'm like, you're just a cokehead. You're just a drunk. You're just a, duh. how do you take care of your kids yeah. when you're apparently drunk all the time? I don't tell you that I don't drink all the time when I'm with my kids. It's it's when I'm when I'm in quiet moments, when I'm writing when I have the evening free to myself, when these kind of things, I, my demons come and I try to try to drown them out with alcohol and, and in the past um, substances, right? But I, uh, my point, and it's a little fractured again here, is that I, we're doing so well that um, I think a lot of people can relate to this. If you haven't been doing well and then something starts to go really right, you're expecting it to fall apart. And when we had that argument, I was like, here it is. I was waiting for this. Yeah. You know? Uh, of course this is happening. It's not a shock. <laughs> no. I was like, I was, well, yeah, I was waiting for it. And it's almost a relief. You're like, oh, good. Now I get to fail again. And now I get to rebuild again because I'm familiar with that. I get it. I don't want that this time. I, I, I don't want those bees, those hornets to come and swarm me and ruin everything I have so I have to rebuild again is what was happening. I don't want a sickness to come and get me from as many sm- cigarettes I smoke and uh, you know, for all the alcohol, the abuse I've done to my body in the past to suddenly come and take me right when I'm ready to take the next step and be successful in some way and make all the terrible things that I've gone through in certain ways or the good things to uh, be for not. And um, with our argument there, it felt like it was coming and, and it definitely played into the dreams I was having. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it right now because as I'm even talking about it right now, I feel this kind of like peaceful warmth coming over me that I haven't felt for like a month. A month and a half, and um, I'm, I'm glad that that we can move on and actually do a 911 calls episode because that's really what the problem is. Uh, that's right. Jeez, I haven't <laughs> been doing 911, and that's very true. Very true. It's not. Uh, no, but you see, here's the thing: is 
is I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't express the feeling that I was having in inside of me. If you've ever had that feeling of like the one thing you love to do, but the rest of life just keeps getting in the way, that's what kept happening. And I, and I couldn't, you know, it's hard to explain. It's hard to express that. So people are like, man, you really love this thing. But that was it. It was so hard to, to like put it into terms because I just had to deal with everything that was going on. You said peace. And that, that's, uh, that's something that you and I have kind of, uh, as a, maybe a component of our business and our personal lives, we've been exercising more since pretty much day one, I would say, you know, mm -hmm. and there was a point that where I got peace about how to change and make sure that I have my priorities in, in line. And, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and ex just explain two things with regard to the store, uh, and more, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, un we'll define all this down the road. Uh, when when it happens, but we're we're shifting the model. My operation here is capable of producing thirteen hundred of something, but it's not capable on a it's to be able for a quick return or turnaround. It's not capable of doing thirteen hundred orders of forty five various items. You need a bigger space. You need, and I'm doing everyone a disservice by offering everything that we offered. No, it's no one's fault except for my own. I created 45, 47 products that you could purchase. And then uh, I tried to house them all in my garage. I've got all the equipment to make and design and produce everything. But it's such a small space that it, it we, I hurt a lot of people and I'm straining a lot of people. You can't hear it, but on the other side of the wall, I hear my mom, my mother-in-law, and my, hold on, this would be funny. Hold on one sec. Yeah, yeah. Hey, who's out there? Who's out, who all's out there? Say hi, mom operator. Hi, mom operator. You gotta get close. <laughs> who is it? Come on, come on. This can't be the uncut, but say hi. Oh, hi. I'm here. I'm hey. bagging shirts hi. and bagging stuff. <laughs> <laughs> who else is out there? Um, her mom and her. The so the wife raider, the wife raider's out there, and the mother-in-law raider. And the mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was just telling them while we're doing this. Yeah, this is still going it's on. A lot going on. Yeah. Right. Tell her thank you, thank you, everybody. Thanks them, man. <laughs> so anyway, it, you know, it's still going on. I'm. It's so so many people are expending energy. I don't say that as a plea. I say that as this was a mistake, because operationally. What we've decided to do to shift this is we will still produce things, in, but in a different manner. We'll do the, we're going to do flash sales, right? So you and I come up with a cool shirt and we produce, we, we do a flash sale, a limited time, that one thing, and then we can fulfill that thing quickly, you know, with a, with a 48, 72 hour turnaround. And we will open the store in the future, but I have to figure out, I've been wooed, uh, courted maybe by some other companies that are like, let us take on your merch. Let us take that over for you. And part of it, because I've invested so much money and the equipment and everything for the other business, I'm like, no, thanks. But I'm going to actually go back to them and be like, okay, tell me what, tell me what this looks like. What it means is as a business, we end up taking a, a major hit in what we make from it because somebody else is doing all that work for us. But this Right now, what we're doing here, this is my priority. The the store and pro those are all ancillary. And so we're shifting things. So sometime in the future, the store will open again. 
but it, but on the back, you won't notice it on the front end, but on the back end, it will operationally be completely different. And you'll also like it because when you order, <laughs> you'll like get your stuff in five to 10 business days. Uh, flash sales will be the <laughs> same because I can produce 1300 of one shirt, you know, but I, yeah. but I, I bit off way more than I can chew. And I apologize to everybody. No, we didn't, we didn't see it. Uh, the one thing that we did, we overlooked was, yes, you can do all of these things, but can we continue to do 911 calls and dark calls and yeah. a TCK and hugs and, you know, I'll, I'll do dark topic on my own right now, but like, you know, can't. And, and another thing that was happening was at, at the $13 tier, you're seeing more 12 o'clock shadows. That's kind of, kind of going to try to replace a lot of the the anticipation of the big store blowout thing, and we'll mm -hmm. adjust that going forward. But um, I think I speak probably for the audience, and you could speak for them too. We, we're very, in, you're more in touch with the audience than I am. Uh, they just want us to be happy and and produce the stuff that, that got them here. Yeah. And they didn't come here for t-shirts. No, they, they came here for for our content, right? Yep. I 100% agree. And I, uh, it was hard. It, it, it the, the challenge was like, I read, I, I consumed the equity in telling you how hard things were, you know, pretty quickly. After that, it was just excuses. And I've even felt bad because I'm like, I need to throw it, I need to update people on where we're at with things. But I felt terrible because every time I did it, it, it came off as a plea for, sympathy, you know, and I didn't want that. I didn't want you to see that. I didn't want you to think, oh man, here he is. You know, it, it, this whole thing has just been a mess. This right now, this is the priority. Anytime you and I are behind the mic and it's leading to an episode of something, that is the priority. And yes. that will be the focus moving forward in a, in a very consistent way. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want you to know that I understand how much work that is now what you what you guys have been doing and with your whole family back there like a sweatshop <laughs> and every time you go to walk into your booth and you're trying to write down a 911 and people are like hey what's going on with this order what's going on with this order what's it? you know it's it's a huge and uh think things will even out it's been a rough summer it's been a rough summer for everybody man yeah <clears throat> the world that's right you know I, we don't need to get into all the things that are going on in the world I like to chalk it up to like, hey, we have more communication when it comes like with the internet and with social media and everything seems like it's worse than it's ever been because we talk about it more with each other and we experience it more with each other. But you talk about coronavirus, you talk about forest fires, you talk about um, just political unrest, uh, social unrest. There seems to be a lot more suicide, at least in my small part of the world. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm noticing people kind of just... Um, falling apart from all of the pressure and feeling like they can't move on um, the way that they were before. So what's the point? I've seen that a couple of times, even in my small section of the world. I'm sure it's, 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 uh, it can't just be where I am. I live in a town of 800 people. So every, everybody is experiencing, um, you know, the, uh, the byproduct of, of all the stresses that have been happening in the world, that being depression, suicide, um, just generally feeling not quite right. Yeah. And what 1159 media hopes to be, we, that's why hugs is coming out is to be a place where you can come and hang out with people who are honestly dealing with all of these things and trying to have some laughs and trying to, get back to some kind of normalcy. Listening to a true crime podcast, a lot of people will tell you that you're sick 
because mm-hmm. like you enjoy listening to people getting killed and all the horrible things that happen? No. No. What we enjoy is the conversations that come with that and the insights we can glean from the worst and and turning a negative into a positive. And that's what we're hoping to uh to bring back full force for you. Yeah, and we've uh we've uh stifled the that the oxygen that we were hoping to bring not even intentionally. We didn't know COVID was going to happen or any, you know, everybody being, but at timing wise, 1159 has kind of grown up during this pandemic. And yeah. And we, we started out and it became something. It became a certain community. It became a certain personality uh, that, that we lately, Jack has literally been, Jack and Kent have literally been the only ones trying to pump oxygen <laughs> into this big old carcass. Um, and and but so it's not yes, like you're just sitting forward. there. It's not like you're just sitting there being like, yeah, yeah. There's the carcass, guys. Fix it. Like you're, you're doing your <laughs> thing, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. I'm super. Honestly, I'm super excited about what's happening. I'm also, if 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 you're listening and you've been like, yeah, the hugs thing probably not for me, but you haven't heard it yet, just answer for yourself this question: Do you think Jack and I, and then? couple kent in there if you if you've taken some time to get to know kent do you think jack and kent and i could possibly do a show that is uber uh like you know like something you'd get off of like a self-help book the answer to that is absolutely not it is it is the it is a cacophony of all things that you love about 1159 in in episode after episode, the, it, some people have asked lately, they're like, I see these hugs coming out, but I don't see all the other, like, what the heck? I, like, would you give up on everything else? The answer to that is when you have three people that are accountable to each other, regularity becomes much more uh, possible. It's it's the yeah. ultimate peer pressure is when you're like, I have to have a story because they're going to have their stories. So, and we're trying to build a little bit more of that accountability, like I am for 911 and the other things, you know, honestly, have been kind of taking it for granted. It was a weekly show and then it kind of eked into 10 days. And then it was like maybe in a month. And then it's like, oh, I don't know, maybe when I'm 50. So getting back on the horse, it will be a weekly show. Also, we, we've heard a lot of people say, I miss the dark calls. And so Coupled with every nine one one in the week, we'll be recording a dark call as well, so that that if you're on Patreon, you feel like if you see what's happening, what Jack and Kent have been putting out, that is exclusive content on Patreon, and you still feel like you're not getting your money's worth. Stay to you. You will. You will not ever feel like that five dollars is not worth it. Right. And, and I'll say this before we get into the episode as well, just to dovetail off of what you're talking about there. Hugs isn't replacing anything. Hugs oh, no. is our way of keeping in touch with each other. Hugs is sharpening our swords. Yes. Hugs is like, if we could do this consistently, we could do everything else consistently. We're just trying to keep relevant. We're trying to keep in touch with each other. It's very important with our, I would say dark topics a little bit different, but I mean, I've always kind of done that. But when it comes to 911 with our relationship, dark calls our relationship, me and Kent, when it comes to brutal, when it comes to you and TCK. Yep. We need to keep in touch as as a unit. Sure, we talk off off screen and all that kind of stuff, but sorry, off recording. But that's all hugs is, is us sharpening our swords. And it's like, hey, if hugs, you know, it, we gotta keep up with this thing. Mm-hmm. We we if hugs wasn't there, 
it's not like you would get more 911 or more TCK <laughs> or more dark topic. Yeah. A hugs is just something we're trying to be like, this is where we can all come together and do something together. And yeah, I'm having trouble explaining no, it, but it's, it's, it's not replacing anything. It's a true litmus test of what are we capable of doing just like everybody else that does a podcast that's committed to consistency, how close to consistent can we get? And that is the answer is hugs. Yeah. So that's the, you see, you however consistent hugs is, that's the best we can do. So uh, yeah. that, and that yeah. when we set that bar, then we know how to hit that bar with the other shows and everything. Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to take a leak and then we'll get this uh, party started. Sounds good. Uh, just, uh, Dumped my piss jug all over my lawnmower, <laughs> so I had to wash the lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get a better system going. Yeah, I think it's that mudding bucket that you're using. Ergonomically, it it doesn't send. Oh. I have something to say to Jack. Oh, hold on. My mom has something to say to you, Jack. You gotta yeah. get close. Hey, Hi. Jack. This is the mom parader. Yeah. I want you to hold know. on. You gotta hear him. Hold on. What? Now you can hear him. Okay. I want you to know, Jack, that. We are Croatian from my side of the family. Oh, no. And we are, we are really? beautiful people. Yes. Good. My niece, my, I mean, my granddaughter had her, what is that, the DNA thing run? Or oh, the free to be yeah, me? Yeah, 23 me. Oh, 23, 23 me. <laughs> and she came through as Croatian, and they are beautiful people. So there you go. All right. Well, Just so I'll you take know. It. That's all I needed to hear. I'm not offended. I, Okay. But I'm close to being offended. Oh, my gosh. We're probably like 1% right. Croatian. My mom's making it out to like, we need to make Croatian lives matter. Excuse me. You don't count. It comes through the mother's line. Oh, well. Okay, bye. Blah, well, there blah. you go. All right, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> but you see how aggressive she was about that, right? <laughs> Like how right. uncomfortable I was with that. Yeah, so. suddenly, like for the first time in my whole life, my mom's like, we're Croatian nationals. I'm like, what? We are? I thought we came from Denmark. And suddenly she's, <laughs> she's ultra aggressive with a boot on my neck, like every Croatian I've ever met. So I believe Oh, yeah, believe there it. you go. Exactly. Now it makes sense, like why we so, get so angry and everything. Okay. If okay. she had given me... She had given me time to put my opinion out there myself, but like typical Croatian, right? <laughs> I would have said, you know, hey, not winning the argument. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Oh, that's my mom for you. She says her part Croatian. of the- <laughs> We are beautiful people. You need to lay off of us or we'll kick you in the teeth. <laughs> No, I love you. Mic drop walks out of the stew studio. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, you think that that, that changed my mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, should we uh, yeah. cue the music? Yes. Here we go. Cue the music. This is the 911 Calls Podcast. And his senior assistant, Jack Luna. I'm Mr. Department Moon. What is the address of your room? He's about to die. Oh, hey, Luna. Hey, operator. How are you been doing? Pretty good. Yourself. 
Uh, you know, lately I've been, it's been fun. I've been climbing like every mountain. I, mm-hmm. I real, I climb every mountain. I can, um, I find hidden treasure chests lately. It's wild. What are you talking about? Uh, and, um, I'm finding swords, swords and picking up arrows. Uh, okay. and I can lift rocks, really heavy rocks. And there's like little, like little leaf creatures underneath that are like, Hey, you found me. I noticed that, like, in between uh, podcasts, because we do so many podcasts now, that you just go completely silent. So, what? You're out in the woods doing LSD or something? No, I thought you said. I, th- I thought you said. Um, what are you doing on Nintendo? Oh God! I've been playing a lot of Legends of uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild, mm. and uh, I don't know. Have you ever played? Well, have you ever played one of those games on the Nintendo Switch? So I can bring it to bed with me. I don't have like a PS5 in bed with me. No, my um, kids do that. They have a PS5 in bed. <laughs> no, they have a Nintendo Switch oh, that they try yeah. to bring to bed sometimes, and I, I say that's the time's over for that. Yeah. So you are bringing your Nintendo Switch to bed and playing The Legend of Zelda every night? That's what you've been up to? Yes, for a couple of reasons. One, it's sort of me time, but I'm realizing I'm going to have to taper it off because it's actually haunting me. It's reminding me of a period in my life that I like to call Call of Duty, also the reason probably that a uh, major contributor to my first marriage dying and being uh, <laughs> crashing and burning um so i'm trying to meter my uh, met you know meet out meet, my yeah. uh my uh, usage of the game but i love it for a couple reasons people are like oh yeah if you've if you played nintendo's uh breath of the wild you should check out skyrim and i have skyrim but i haven't played it yet um but what's really neat about it is like you can go anywhere. You can climb every mountain. You can climb every wall. You can swim in every water bo- water, water puddle, mm. uh, catch frogs, and do all these things. So you can, like, be four, like, four-year-old would, all the things a four-year-old would do. And then you can go and, like, fight dragons and fight monsters and do all these things. But it's fun. But in 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 embedded into all of that is this, like, soothing music. Mm. And it just kind of floats in and out on the way on the air on the wind, and then um, all the sounds are like ASMR. Like when you're walking or running, every surface that you walk across sounds different. Grass sounds different than rocks, and wow. and I just I, I'm so I'll sit there. It's still like two a.m. or three a.m. like last night. I'm like I should really go to bed. I gotta record with Zach in the morning. But I love it. It's it's fun. It's engaging. Plus. The ASMR effect of this, like, just lulls me into a different world. Because it really is literally a different world. It's a digital world that I have a hard time escaping. I told you I've been, like, meditating and stuff lately and going to, like, a different realm. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could totally relate to that. Yes, doing the same thing. You've been playing a video game in bed. Yeah, I have. I have. It never ends. Also, it's not, like, networked, so I don't have to play with other people. All the people I interact with with on there are, like, part of the game. Better. I hate yeah. people. Yeah. NPCs. No, they're way nicer to you than, than real people. They are. I've been dealing with that with my <clears throat> my son and my lady uh, play a lot of video games. She plays World of Warcraft. He plays Gary's Mod or something. And uh, once in a while, I'll play Finding Bigfoot with them. It's a, it's a game where you're going around and you're hunting Bigfoot. But they're kind of – it feels like they've – like they're gone when mm-hmm. they're playing it. Yeah. And right. then when they come back and they tell me about all the things that they experienced in the game, I'm like, oh, you were here the whole time, but you were like in a different <laughs> world. And it's kind of nice to to be able to um, masturbate in the living room without you guys noticing. <laughs> so keep it up. 
Jeez. Yeah, it is a really different world. It, there's different levels, not, not like levels like is in the game, but there's different levels of being in a different world online. There's like, you know, the Zelda level where like you're interacting with the whole world that's been built for you to experience. And then there's online with people, you know, where you're, you have a different character and persona and it you might be right. 320 pounds in real life but on, in this game you're a seventh level mage with kunark skills you know mm-hmm. it, everybody looks up to you and you everything that comes out of your mouth is wise it must <laughs> it must be such a relief for you to get away from a world where you're you know not being a character <laughs> yeah you should see me in zelda i just walk up to people and like hit them with the sword <laughs> <laughs> they had nothing, you know, it's like a lady cooking apples over a little, like, fire. And I'm like, ugh, ugh, yeah. ugh. And she's like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> it's fun. And your family's always wondering why you're giggling so much. <laughs> like, tee take that, Lee Chan. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. All right. Well. Hey, um, to start off here, I thought we'd play a little thing that I like to call, what sentence should the criminal get? Mm-hmm. All right, so here are the stats on this one. 17-year-old steals a gun. Yeah. Has a fight with the friend with a friend of his the week prior. Mm-hmm. Shoots said friend at po- point-blank range in the head with the gun that, that got stolen. Who premeditated. Okay. Free, f- friend survives and is now disabled for life. So your options are, did he get attempted murder, aggravated battery, probation due to it being a first time offense okay so those are those are lock in like, like let me know uh, on paper 17 year old stole a gun has a fight with his friend the week before which is only relevant because you know something led up to this and then he shoots his friend in the point blank range in the head friend survives disabled right. for life what do you, what are you that. giving him okay i'll tell you what they should get is attempted murder but what they did get i hope is aggravated battery but what they definitely got was probation doing it due to it being a first-time offense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Also, okay, one more thing that I thought was kind of fun. Did I did I get it, though? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Yeah, actually, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you more information as we go and allow you to revise if you want at, at a certain point mm-hmm. in this in this mm-hmm. script. I mean, in this just random dialogue that's unscripted. Right. I'll let you revise. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, finally. So the word I, I came. I love etymology. I don't know if you know what etymology is, but it's the stuff that they give you before you eat sushi at the sushi restaurant. Yes, exactly. Little green beans mm-hmm. that are sometimes spicy, sometimes salty. Always salty, though. Yeah, just like suck, suck on them until it pops in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, sure. that's something I don't know. Salty. Yeah, I don't think that's it. a nah. Doesn't happen that way. I don't know. It sounded dirty. Um, oh, wow. etym- etymology is the 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 uh, the, the study of words. Where they come from, their meaning, their origin, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can't. I, I had a word that came up uh, in this, and uh, so the word assassin. Assassin means a person who murders an important person for political or religious reasons. That's kind of the you know the generalized term for it or definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know where the word comes from? Nope. Nope. It, so. Members of a fanatical Muslim sect during the Crusades used to smoke hashish and then murder leaders on the opposing side. And they started out, uh, they started going by the name Hashishayan. 
Hashishayin. That's how it was. Hashishayin, which means hashish user hashalul. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave all this in. <laughs> so they went by the name hashishayin, which means hashish users in Arabic. Okay. okay. So kind of, I don't know. That, it seems to be casting a wider net than should be necessary because, like, I'm sure there was a lot of people that use hashish yeah. that weren't murdering people yet. Hashishian means hashish users. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nothing man. about the murder part of what they were doing. Um, hmm. So hashishian, through the century centuries of mispronunciation, just like I mispronounced it, <sighs> yeah. the English arrived at assassin from hashishian. To assassin. Okay, I would have never guessed that. I mean, the the fact that the word sin is in there, I thought might have had something to do with that. Yeah. And the fact that they say ass twice, like an ass committing sin, I don't I'd like. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Well, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. What you just did there, and that's that's entertainment. And I I want to hear more. Ass ass sin. <laughs> I want to give you more words in the future so that you can tell me the etymology of. Let's let's make that a thing. <laughs> Uh, what's that pronunciation? We do what's that sound? That's going to yeah. be a new thing on Patreon. You play yeah. a sound for me, and it turns out to be somebody sticking their head in a rotor blade of a helicopter every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, actually what Jack is talking about is a real thing. Um, we started a, a, what would you call it, mini-episodes, minisodes, yeah. episodes on Tier 13. Yeah, Tier 13. Tier 13, so $13 a month. Um, yeah, get over uh, there. Uh, yeah, series called What's That Sound? And I tell Jack to listen to a sound. So I, sh- I share the sound on the episode. He tells me what he thinks it is. And then I exp- and then I show him the video. Yeah. Because that's the special thing about this is these aren't just like audio clips. There's actual video associated with each one of these sounds that he sees. So I get to show him the video of where that sound came from. It's impossible. And I horrify him usually. Yeah. And then I share the episode of What's That Sound on Tier 13 and the video, a separate posts so that for those who uh, don't want to watch the video, don't have to, but it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm batting Patreon. 0% on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll be posting those. Uh, actually, I haven't posted one yet on Tier 13, so those will go up as soon as this is, uh, this is those will start being posted as soon as this is posted live. Perfect. Anyway. Sorry, don't make a noise here. There's a fly dive bombing right. my face, man. Hashashian. Oh, I'm going to Hashashian this thing at some point. That's patreon.com forward slash 1159media if you're interested in paying $13 a month for a whole lot of content. Okay, I think I've pitched Oh, there's a bee in here. There's a freaking bee in here. (laughs) Oh, God. It's going to be a stressful episode. I have uh, sorry, man. I I, Just for the audience to understand how difficult this problem is, I have a bee's nest in the side of my house, a yellow jacket nest in the side of the siding of my house huh and we, tr- we you know what a shelf looks like right uh just like a shelf that you'd put books on you betcha yeah okay yeah and uh just just like one of the small ones we built a shelf my lady had the idea and then me and my father-in-law at, at midnight hammered pushed up against the siding in the house and he screwed it in then i filled it with that expanding foam yeah i tried to trap them in there and uh, they outsmarted us. I lost this battle against nature. And now I'm just letting them live their lives. And there's no mosquitoes, but there's a lot of yellow jackets. Okay. Also really important to uh, clear delineation between two uh, species. One is a yellow jacket and one is a bee. <laughs> <laughs> one, one helps the world. The other is from hell. 
Yeah, the one from hell. <laughs> I, I lost the battle too. That's the one you're that you're fighting. Dang it! Well, Next it's bound to get kids. cold. <laughs> they attack like crazy too, man. I, I hit one. There's another nest behind the house, and I hit it with a shoe, and I missed. And then I started throwing pieces of um, wood at it, and I cleaved <laughs> the top off. And then I was like, I gotta finish this thing. And I got like, um, you know, uh, duct tape wrapped around my wrists. I'm wearing a raincoat in the middle of summer, and I got a colander on my head. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, oven mitts on my hands. And I'm like, I'm going to finish this thing. And I grab a rake after I've thrown every toy my kids have at this thing. I, I'm a good shot normally, but under pressure, apparently not. And I come up real slow, not realizing I just really, you know, pissed off this nest. These were hornets. And I go to swing the rake and three hornets dive by my face and just start sting, 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 sting. It's like they <laughs> grab onto your face. You feel them grab onto your face. And they just start bashing you with their butts. Yeah. And so I, I run. I run out around, I run through these trees, I run out through the front yard, and my kids are watching this whole thing through the windows. <laughs> I trip, I roll my ankle, I'm wearing <laughs> slippers, my slippers come flying off, and I'm crawling to the front door. I'm like, don't open the door, don't open the door! Because so, I don't want them to think I'm coming to that door. So I run around the side of the house, I jump back in. They're like, did you get it? I'm like, no. <laughs> I just don't go inside ever again. Don't, don't ever go out again. We've been beaten. <laughs> it's over. They win. Nature wins. It's, Sorry. It's DoorDash and Uber from now on, kids. <laughs> There's no Uber out here, man. <laughs> Darn it. I might get the guy who drives by in a lawnmower, uh, riding lawnmower because he has a DUI to give me a lift to the store next time. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, all right. Well, Sorry. All right. in our story today, our assassin isn't trying to kill the president. Uh, just a friend. Nice. <laughs> okay. Sorry, but I have one more fun fact there's no one share. Okay. After World War II, did you know that almost a million more people lived in Iowa than in Florida? Wow. So this is, you know, the late 1940s, you know, the 40s. We'll say the 40s. Uh, there were a million more people living in Iowa than Florida. It, there were 2.5 million people living in Iowa and only 1.8 million living in Florida. Wow. I know, I know that in California, there's more population there than all of Canada. Really? Yeah. That's you crazy. a lot of people there. Yeah. So the, the growth, though, <laughs> in 2020, <laughs> Iowa had only increased about 600,000 people. So between 1940 and 2020, the state increased in population by a little, just a titch over half a million people. So I did, I Googled this because I don't know numbers, but that's a 27% increase as opposed to Florida, which has increased by 19,738,187 per the census in 2020. That's an increase of over 1,096% oh in a generation and a half. Like what? They're going to sink that thing on weight. It's amazing. And wow. there's not much of that thing to, to speak of, you know, as far as land goes, right? Did you know that the majority of the population is squeezed actually into a strip of the state that's roughly 40-ish miles wide? Like wow. That so bottom this piece, is, that weird little dangler that the, looks like a horse penis or whatever at the bottom of uh, I don't. Florida. I don't know what that looks like. I no. I mean, mean, meaning I haven't looked at a map in a while. So. All right, right. I know what a horse penis looks like. So Oof, um, I do. 
<laughs> Sounds like there's a story there. Too big. We're gonna we're gonna record that one for Patreon. <laughs> so I actually chalk up a lot of Florida's weirdness to this. Like if you concentrate 20 million people from a whole gradation of different walks of life into an area that's that small, the weird stuff's bound to get noticed more, right? All, all yeah. the weird stuff that happens in Florida probably actually happens in other states too, but it's just less visible because people are more spread out. So are there headlines in other states, do you think, that rival ones like Florida woman who was found naked and tied up in a storm drain refuses to say how she got there? <laughs> or Florida man suspected of using private plane to draw giant radar penis. <laughs> do they have weirdos like that and say like, you know, Iowa, yeah, they probably do, but it's just like they're Not less visible. <laughs> it's just, yeah, less concentrate, less eyeballs on a situation. So, you know, we've all got, got weird things in our states, but 20 million people in a 40-mile-wide swath, bound to get some notice, mm-hmm. bound to. All right. So this call that we're going to listen to took place on January 6th of 2010 that would be the year of our lord 2010 yeah. um the following 911 call was placed from a home in jacksonville florida huh see full circle we were uh, talking about florida this call took place in florida didn't see it coming who knows how that cut no who knows how that happens it's serendipity all right you ready for me to uh to hit play i am okay here we go <laughs> Jackson, one nine one one. My friend got shot. Okay, stand on the line for me. I'm going to bring you over to rescue so they can give you medical advice. So I'll hang up. Oh my God! Yes, ma'am. Fine, rescue department. Moon, what is the address of your emergency? He's about to die. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. How old is the person, ma'am? He's sixteen. Yes. Male or female? What? Male or female? He's a male. Male, is he breathing now? Hey, go check up on him. I don't know. He's in the bathroom, but he's about to bleed. Is he awake? He's in the death. <laughs> what is he bleeding from? I don't know. Hey, what is he bleeding from? I don't, I'm not sure. He's about... Hey, where, where, where he got shot at? Give him some water. Where he shot at? The head, I think. I think it's from the head. Okay. You have to hurry. He's going to die. Help is on the way. Okay. Help is on the way. Please hurry. Okay. Can anyone, can anyone go in there and treat the wound? Uh, can anyone treat the wound? Give him a... Give him a... Give him a... Yes, he's awake. Yes, he's awake. Wait, he's breathing. Okay. Yes, he's breathing. Thank you. Keep pressure to it. Keep pressure to it. Exactly Keep right. pressure to it. Listen, I want you to go ahead. Sure. Tell you how to try to stop the bleeding. Listen carefully and make sure we do it. Hey, try to stop the bleeding. Put pressure to it. Listen, listen to me for a second, okay? Get a clean, dry cloth. Get a clean, dry cloth. Or a towel. That's a clean, that's clean. Put it down. Press it right on the wound. Press down firmly. Put it right on the wound. You have to put it right on the wound. What? Don't lift it up to look at it once you do that. Don't lift it up to look at it. Keep it on there. Keep it on there. If it keeps bleeding, just... You have to keep it on there. Oh, my God. Remember, you're not pressing hard enough. Remember, you have to press hard. Keep pressure on the wound. Keep pressure on the wound. Keep pressure on the wound. (laughs) 
You need more water? Are they coming? Yes, sir. Help's on the way for you. We need to go. Make sure you're keeping steady pressure. Keep pressure on the room. 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 What? Are they coming? The help is on the way for you. So is anyone that can go out front? Anyone is free to go out front. Hey, Grace, stay out front! Yeah, it's free. Somebody's out front right now. All right, so we're responding to you. Okay. Stay out front! Someone keeping firm, steady pressure on that wound. Whoa. <clears throat> Whole lot of volume in that um, that call. Yeah, sir, can you turn down your auto-tune? No kidding. Well, okay, so a couple things on this. So this was this was actually, as far as news coverage goes, this was highly localized. Like, I found very few. Uh, it, it didn't hit, like, the main news stream. It was, uh, you know, a couple local papers covered it, and one paper in particular covered anything sort of regular about this case, right? Yeah. Um, that, hence uh, the... Yeah, the music in that one. I didn't put the music into that. That's the <laughs> only copy of this I could find. So. Did Kanye West produced that nine one one call. Exactly. The the nine one one operator. You could tell he's from Florida. <laughs> he's dealt with some, <laughs> yeah. some stuff, man. He was really calm and uh, giving all the the great advice. And the kid was taking it to heart. He was screaming at that advice. Yeah, it was interesting um, because you could tell the kid wasn't in the same room, like he didn't want to see it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's barking out orders from the other room. And at one point, I thought it was interesting. Like, if I were on that call, right about the time where the dispatcher went quiet and was just like, okay, this kid's doing everything he can, I would have been like, kid, shut up and listen to me. That's where I would have been. But yeah. he knew that it was wise. You know, the, the, the dispatcher was like, all right, you know. I'm only yeah. going to get so many instructions into this kid's ear. You say wise, you're right, because often, like the operator from our experience listening to these, will uh, get sidetracked by the way that the person on the line is behaving, and he's just kind of skipping to the next thing and just letting the kid vent out all of yeah. that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Emotion, which is normal, which is good. Yeah, and and there is one thing about this which I. Uh, if you're a dispatcher and you're listening and it's and it's available in your protocol, get to that help is coming as quickly as possible. And I realize there's certain things, certain qualifiers you'd have to make uh, behind the scenes before you could confidently say help is on the way. Uh, but one thing I've noticed in all the calls that we've we've covered is that 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 phrase help is on its way. Yeah, that this helps. isn't slowing us down by you talking to me it just helps a ton. You know? All you operators out there, listen closely. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure this <laughs> but, is where they're getting their training. Yeah. Our podcast. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Oftentimes, in any dispatcher center around the around the nation, it's like somebody will say something, somebody will disagree, and then somebody's like, "Well, obviously, on the nine one one calls podcast, you you are not up to date because when a monkey tears someone's face off, here's how you proceed." <laughs> you know. Have you gotten any messages up from from nine one one call operators who are up? set with you because i have <laughs> i've gotten a handful of ones where they'll take issue with the way we addressed something and yeah. honestly i think it's actually important to bring this up uh, i heard another podcaster mention this recently um 
it, it was a podcast called Darknet Diaries, and he's a former um, uh, he, he he's a he's a former uh, hacker, I guess you could say, where mm-hmm. he he helped to keep networks secure as a job, um, and, uh, and 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 so his whole show is kind of nerdy, and it's about hacking and all these crazy cases in the in the country and everything. And he mm-hmm. said something which actually is part of our mo here and that is he said i don't bring experts on the show very often because it gets in the way of the the narrative that we're trying to to establish and the narrative isn't one that where we just want to command the mic and everything but protocol oftentimes is a whole different story to how life rolls out and so it's so easy to retrospectively look at a case and we could have dispatchers on there where they, where they would audit the way that a dispatcher did it or the way the call was handled. And that, that's not this show, you know, no. this show is that we, you know, we, it's opinion. It's opinion based off. Yeah. That's why I've had people come at me like, you need to learn about this or you need to respond to it this way. And you need to respect the operator no matter what situation they're in. I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm giving, I'm, I'm a regular person. Like the people who are listening, I'm just trying to react to it the way that I really react to it. Opinions are like Swiss cheese. They got some bulk to them. They're full of holes. I mean, yeah. you can poke a thousand holes in the opinions that I have, but it's all about just like reacting to it. Um, as naturally as, as, as we can, as just regular people who aren't professionals. I agree. Uh, you know, many professional spheres have a set of, uh, you know, it's propriety. Like uh, we, if you've ever heard the series like Dr. Death, you learn really quick about how hospitals and other medical professionals handle opinions about other medical professionals. And oftentimes it's very quiet and it's very behind the scenes. And, you know, the public, we might hear about a bad doctor, for example, but you won't hear another doctor talk dissing another doctor. You just don't, right. you, it's not done. It's not, it's whether that's written into their code or whether it's just the way it goes, yep. you don't do that. And, and so I get it that, uh, you know, a dispatcher would be defensive or protective of the method that, that another dispatcher uses, right or wrong, but that's, once again, not this show. Our show is no. to beat them all up. <laughs> no, no. I have a high level of respect for dispatchers, and that job is it just seems Herculean in nature. Like you're dealing with people at the absolute worst moment yeah. in their oh, life. I absolutely do too. But I'm not going to, you know, um, ignore it when I feel like they've made some kind of misstep. Uh, yeah. As an armchair quarterback, which is basically what we're doing. We should call yeah. this the armchair quarterback 911 calls podcast for the <laughs> operator and Jacqueline. <laughs> It's very long, but I like it. It's got it kind of rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, also, we're not writing up our, our our assessments on these and then submitting them to that dispatcher. So you know what we say is like not really. You know, it doesn't matter. It matters as much as we bring a truthful story. We try to get our facts straight. All the things da da da. But I right. love that. You know, we let them do their job. Right. Okay. So so based on what you heard. Luna, mm. based on what you heard so far, would you make any modifications uh, to your previous thoughts on what the charges might be for who did this? Uh, actually, honestly, not really, because I, I don't, I didn't really get a lot from that. All I got was the fallout from whatever it was that that happened. For all I know, at this point, it could be an accident. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so the voice on the phone is that of seventeen-year-old Kenny Ray Stevens 
who just shot his friend, although he says 16-year-old on the call, he was actually 17-year-old Alex Ross. And the caller was the one that shot Alex Ross in the head. And he calls 911 to get help. (laughs) You don't know that from the call. No, he he buried the lead. Yeah, buried the lead. Yeah. So Kenny and Alex uh, and a few other friends had previously stolen a gun from a car. And and it's, I don't know, it was this a month before or 10 minutes before. I don't know. Like I said, this was a very localized case. And because it's it involves youths, you know, people under 18, mm-hmm. I, could, I could not get a hold of the court transcripts or anything. So there are a couple missing pieces here. Needless to say, they stole a gun from a car. And even Alex, the victim, admits to being a party to that theft. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of the 911 call was placed, though, police didn't know Kenny shot his friend Alex. Kenny never admitted to it. And it wasn't until weeks later, after coming out of critical condition in the hospital, that Alex told the police, quote, uh, I looked up to see it was Kenny and he was holding a gun. I turned around to walk back, not thinking anything of it because I thought we were friends. Then I turned around and he was still there. I turned around and he was pointing at me in the head area, which is exactly the medical definition of. (laughs) That's how you would describe it. Any time, yeah. In the head area. Well, when he said this, he had been shot in the head. So, you know. In my opinion, you know, we talk about that, like you, you, somebody gets bumped on the head and suddenly they can do math they never did before. Sure. So now he has, he, he speaks in very medically specific terms, like headal area, like I would, is very pro, pro, right. appropriate. Hey, I don't uh, want to change the subject here, but you might have heard me bang against the wall yeah. a little bit earlier. Uh, huh? That was me using my hat to kill a fly and I thought I got it and I didn't see it flying around. And then I just took a big sip of my drink here and I swallowed a fly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So should I call them a one or you just might. throw up? Into we'll my... just keep an eye if you're if you're if you start uh, experiencing anaphylaxis, we uh, will uh, we'll contact them together. Oh God, you okay? I'm okay. Yeah. I'll okay. Yeah. A little extra protein. It, but really quick, let me qualify something here um, because I'm just I'm struggling because you know we've covered bees and and hornets and wasps. Uh, all three were, were built into the story that you had about attacking. And it's hard for me to believe all three are there. So was <laughs> this a fly? <laughs> there are yellow jackets in my house. Okay. And there is a hornet's nest that I started smacking with a rake. Okay. Different genus. And there's no bees. I just keep on saying okay. bees by accident. Bees. But I, right. I did just swallow a fly. Okay. So it was a fly. Okay. I'm just trying to make sure it was a fly and not like a mouse. No, uh, flies. Just so many flies. Sure. Get our genuses correct. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. I'll keep an eye on you as we do this. Yeah. Oh, well, one more thing about flies. They seem to fly around a lot more when I'm recording this. It's like um, coffin flies. When I do oh. dark topic, I find it a lot too. Like they're everywhere, man. Anyways, I'm okay. sorry. Let's talk uh, that's, about the case. Nope. That's good because another particular thing to note is coffin flies only show up when there is decay. Right. So are these flies or coffin flies? And then part two of that question, do you have a body somewhere 
in the vicinity. Didn't dig it deep enough. Okay. Yeah, there's a big hump of concrete in the corner <laughs> that's starting to get stink. a little spicy. <laughs> I miss garbage day is what's happening. And okay. the, the garbage is in the back of the garage. And it looks like I'm doing the Macarena if there was a video on this. It's fun. You have a good day. You're, you're good at dancing. Thanks, man. All right. So on August 5th of 2010, everybody went to court. Uh, Alex Ross, the victim who was shot in the head, went to court and looked right at his former friend, Kenny, who shot him and said, I know we got into a fight the week before this happened, but I don't understand why you did this to me. No friend of mine would point a loaded gun at my head and pull the trigger. I live in fear and I'm always looking over my shoulder thinking you're going to send someone now to finish the job. You may be stuck in a jail cell for a portion of time, but I may be stuck in this chair for the rest of my life. End quote. Good quote. Good for him. Uh, he also told the judge that no punishment will ever make what happened to him okay, which is, you know, true. That's, that's a fact. Also, in a deal that was worked out hastily uh, in order to avoid the case going to trial, which the victim... Uh, was actually very relieved to not to have to endure. Kenny pleaded guilty to a reduced charge. You ready for this? Of aggravated battery. So <laughs> he was being charged. Yeah. He was being charged with attempted second degree murder, which obviously it's not second degree murder because he lived. So it becomes attempted, but that was knocked down. That would have carried a mandatory sentence of 30 years for this kid uh, by dropping it to aggravated battery the sentence the, the minimum sentence and maximum sentences are much less than than that but he used a gun to shoot Alex so the maximum sentence imposed by the judge includes a minimum mandatory of 10 years when somebody's charged with attempted murder, that's always bothered me, especially like say in a serial killer situation uh-huh. where they've killed five beforehand and then one they don't hit in the head enough with a mallet and they leave them there to die and they crawl to the road and they're brought to a police station and call it in. It's like, oh, that one was attempted murder. So whatever. I feel like it's this, it should be the same thing. Like the I intention was the same. I agree. Like, like, take a benign example. You've got two kids. One kid is peacefully playing, putting together a thousand-piece puzzle, which they're 80% done with at the table. They're not mm-hmm. done with it, but they're putting it together. The other kid's a turd, and he comes over, and he messes the whole puzzle up. Right. I, I convict that kid of screwing up a puzzle, not <laughs> attempting to mess up a completed puzzle. You know? Right. It, you did the thing. You did. I know your intent, so you should be convicted on that intent as opposed to. I feel that, man. Like I just covered a case where it was an attempted rape, and the reason why the rape didn't happen, and this guy had raped before, the reason it didn't happen is because somebody came into the room, and he had to like run away, right? Yeah. So he gets charged with a lesser. Anyway, so and I'm sure if I sat for a minute, because there's always there's there's two sides to that. You know, BLT. One side is where we stare at it for the criminal and we're like, burn that bread. Just burn it. Just cook that. I don't want to ever see white again in that bread. But the other side of it is like for the innocent person where, okay, this didn't happen. Like, a, like I don't know, a case that would happen very much more often, which I still think, wag my finger at, but like drunk driving. If somebody was driving drunk 
and hit a minivan full of parents and children and didn't kill anybody. Yeah. You know, that's where the, uh, you know, even if they were like, I was so sad and uh, yeah, there's that text message that says I'm going to, I'm going to wreck the car and kill myself right now. You know, the situation says this guy was drunk and all the things and was going to hurt somebody, yeah, but didn't, you know, eh, it gives that guy a little bit more of a, of a, uh, a lease on life. Maybe. I don't know. I it's get messy. it. I get it. It's not like if you're driving down the road, you're looking at your phone and a guy steps off out the sidewalk and you spray him with a puddle and almost hit him. You don't get charged with attempted manslaughter. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he slips and hits his head. And yeah, exactly. You don't get attempted manslaughter. Semantics, a word Semantics. I don't understand. It is. Also, manslaughter. Just that sounds so brutal. It sounds like something yeah. from like Genghis Khan era that we use that as the lowest one where it's like, yeah, you did slaughter a man. But, <laughs> you know, like with all slaughters, you didn't really intend to, you know, quarter this person up and turn him into hamburger. Like it's a, it's such a terrible term. Like, yeah, I don't know what I would call it otherwise. But manslaughter that it's on the lowest bar is just kind of funny. Not funny, but terrible. hilarious. Yeah. Also hilarious. Okay, all right. So I looked up the laws in Florida as far as what what gives you. Uh, aggravated battery. Because we've talked about aggravated before, and aggravated is usually a bolt-on to another charge. So a person commits aggravated battery who, in committing battery, intentionally or knowingly causes great bodily harm, permanent disability, or permanent disfigurement, or uses a deadly weapon. So there you go. So you could use a table leg and do significant bodily harm, permanent disability, permanent disfigurement, or just jump to using a deadly weapon and you don't kill the person, you get aggravated battery. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Okay, so where are we to date with this? So remember, this was 2010. So Alex uh, has successfully regained a lot of his mobility, actually, and has undergone several surgeries to repair the damage. Uh, to help him regain motor function and even repaired a hole that was in his throat from a trach tube that had been there for an extended period of time. Um, he was a little reticent uh, about going into surgery for the, the, the trach tube, apparently, per his mother. Uh, not seeing it as that big of a deal. Like, you know, hey, I've had so many surgeries. This is aesthetics. Let's yeah. not worry about it. But, he did go through it and got that got that fixed. So uh, he went from being confined to a wheelchair to walking with a cane and to now being able to walk on his own. He still has some motor issues, but his recovery's come a long way. I got to say something. When, whenever you see somebody with a trach tube scar, yeah. whenever I have, I've always been like, man, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. like you were clearly in a situation sometime where they thought that they, they needed to punch a hole in your throat. Right. To help you breathe like that. You know, that person's been through some shit. That's yeah, there's terrible. a story. There's a story there. It's, yeah, it's not like, no, yeah, I was choking on cereal and, uh, you know, next thing you know, I've got a tube in my throat for three months. Now, there's a bigger story to be had. Oh, something monstrous has happened. Something humongous. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so Kenny was booked into prison back on September 9th of 2010 to begin serving his sentence of 15 years with that minimum mandatory of 10 years. That would put him potentially eligible for parole in September of 2020, 
We are a year beyond that. He's still in prison today. Good. Um, interesting. So I came across an article, and I don't, I, I don't like do like. Uh, the last time I felt uh, kind of amped about something like this was when we covered the mommy blogger thing, right? And I was pretty grumpy. You were but really I, amped. Yeah, I came across an article that was written about a year after Kenny was sent to prison. Honestly, I found the article a bit odd. It isn't dismissive of Kenny's crimes, although it's really light on information about him. And and Alex, the actual victim, got a whole like one line in the article. I think it was sort of written to portray this kind of wide-eyed youth who was sent to prison with a bunch of monsters. I really had a hard time swallowing the angle that the article was taking. It seemed a, a bit pandering, to be honest. Right. So the kid was a kid when he went to prison, and I think that he was sentenced appropriately, honestly. But I don't think he should be portrayed as if he was just Tiny Tim that was sent to prison, you know. And this article kind of pushed that narrative a little bit, so... Here's a line or two from that article. Remember, it was written a year after he was put in prison. So, Sorry, and, and I'll interrupt you again on that. Yeah. It's always that way. You you meet somebody who horrifically murdered somebody five years ago. They spent five years in prison. They're going to be a completely remorseful, hand-in-their-hat style person because of what they've been through since. Oh, I would never do that again. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. Right. Life has sucked since then, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's supposed to suck because of what you did. Well, and consider this, consider this. And in some cases, it, regardless, whether it's good or bad or he should get out early or he should stay in for the rest of his life in a deep, dark hole, you can use media as a stra strategy toward a positive outcome. Like take Jason Vukovic, for example, mm -hmm. 1159. I, you and Kent have been doing a lot to help him. And that's, 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 that's really cool. Um, you've gone out of your way. You know, we link to, to his, uh, commissary and, and the, the various ways in which you can help Jason Vukovic. For those who don't know, he's the Alaskan Avenger. Mm -hmm. He was the one that went and threw a beat down on pedophiles and now is serving. What is his sentence? 23 years. 23 years for putting a beat down on some pedophiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, some may say, dude. The guy should be free. He should have been free, never gone to prison. Other people might say, well, okay, he's doing his time. Um, any way you look at it, though, the media can be used. Mm -hmm. We're being used for that. You know, we are, we are trying to use our, our microphones, our listenership, our, our medium yep. as a strategic element in, in his uh, recovery, uh, right. his potential parole. So if we can get a message out, about his character that may support, uh, you know, uh, that may be supportive in, in them considering parole. Right. So maybe this article was that for Kenny, maybe it was kind of a strategic thing. Cause it was really heavy on, on kind of pro Kenny. It was, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, can, can I, can I, can I say something about Vukovic there real quick? Since you yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I've been like really closed mouthed about it. And, and Ken's been stepping around the issue too, because of the way that I uh, behaved about what we're doing from the beginning. But uh, I'll like paying for his um, treatment is uh -huh. what, what I've decided to do. And Kent got it set up. Right. And like, when you say I treatment, when you say sorry? treatment, when you say treatment, what are you what are you talking his, about? His therapy. Okay. His uh, PTSD therapy. 
And the the goal in that, because I've had a few messages asking about that and, and saying things that I'm not quite sure, but I think I need to make it clear. The motivation for me and, and say for, for us to um, provide him with that, the Alaskan Avenger, Jason Vukovic, with his PTSD therapy is to get him out of prison. Okay. It's, it's recognizing that this guy needs that. Like he clearly in talking to him, I recognize him like this guy needs to come to come to terms with certain things. And um, we can provide him with that because the justice system that he's in in Alaska, they're not going to provide him with the therapy and stuff that he needs. And I really like the guy. And I and I think he has a lot of like potential to help other people, other, whether it's from prison or if he ever gets out. And I think if he gets that therapy, that he's going to be even more powerful in the position that he's in. Because he has a lot of people reaching out to him. And I hate to see a guy in his position be like um, perpetuating this vigilante justice attitude and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would be great to see a guy that's as intelligent and has as much potential as him really get to know himself and work through his issues. And then work from that perspective rather than the one that he's uh, currently in. So that's kind of why we we did what we did for, for yeah. Jason. And I really like it. I, I like we, – we all came at this from different angles, right? Uh, so so everybody knows we covered uh, Jason Vukovic in a couple different shows. We haven't covered him here on 911, but we covered him on first True Crime Kent. So Kent Chungus and myself, mm. uh, Jack shows up on that show too in beautiful written form, <laughs> prose. His beautiful voice does some beautiful writing at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. Um, but we did. We covered the Alaskan Avenger in an episode of uh, True Crime Kent, one of our other shows. It's mm. great. He's uh, Kent Chungus is our redneck historian. and mm. they're, Deep research. They're, Oh my goodness! And there, if you're into long form shows, these each one is like an hour and a half or two hours long. They're they're a lot of hilarious fun. from the operator. The operator, so, it's ridiculous. Seeing him as in my position, the operator is <laughs> so funny. It's easy when you're working with somebody as crazy as Kent. That right. dude, he makes me laugh. But then you covered you covered uh, the Alaskan Avenger on Dark Topic too, right. didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've kind of one, two punched that. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've each treated it, uh, as, as, as we can from yes. our capacity and everything. And to your point, you know, we're talking about a man that was convicted of something that he did. And, uh, I like what you said there though, that, uh, one of the, one of the problems as I see it, having had many experiences and a handful of relatives come in and out of prisons is the prison system isn't a restorative or recuperative process. It's there to meet out a sentence, a punishment that you are going to do because you violated the law. They're not mm -hmm. there to, they, they're not, their, their core responsibility is not to rehabilitate you. Right. Um, that is usually done on the tail end. If you're lucky, like in, in the case with Jason, if they afford him the opportunity to have PTSD therapy, during holy cow that's amazing right. because what you're talking about is that he's not coming to grips with the crime that that was committed he's coming to grips and learning to deal with things that happened in his past that made him uh the person that 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 was that became the uh the the, the alaskan that, avenger the alaskan yeah. avenger stuff yeah my purpose in, in uh, trying to help out Jason and again, and I haven't talked to Jason at all, but I've talked to his um, his sister Angelina, is to nobody gave him a 
nobody, he said this to me. Nobody's ever given me, no, everybody's always like, you know, like cheered me. And there's all this like talk, 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 talk. Like you're the man. I would have done the same thing, but no one's actually helped him. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to quietly help him. But the reason why I'm talking about it out loud right now is because the intent is being skewed. It's like, we need to get this guy out so he can kill more pedophiles. No. No. We need to help Jason because he's worth it. And he was, he was, he went onto a wrong path. He, he has a lot of potential. And um, I think with the right therapy that um, he can realize that potential, whatever his life holds for him going forward. I love that. He is, he's a powerful, intelligent individual and given an opportunity to, to put himself in a different frame of mind, he could be powerful and intelligent and contribute. He could help a lot he of people. He really could. Yeah. He really could. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. Yep. And thank you for doing that for him. I think that's oh, no, amazing, it's easy. actually. It's easy. You know, uh, he, uh, he's, he's definitely worth it. So uh, here's a couple quotes from this article. That, you know, and I've got a point here. And I, I, he's a kid, right? So age right. 16, 17, he did a thing. But here's what the article says. Kenny Ray Stevens periodically daydreams about hanging out at his parents' house, West Side, Jacksonville. Playing in the pool, sitting on the curb, talking in the neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let's keep that in. You keep talking in the neighborhood. I can't read. <laughs> but I'm keeping it in, but I'm going to start that one. Okay. Playing in the pool, sitting on the curb, taking in the neighborhood, greeting buddies who came by to visit. But it doesn't take long for the 18-year-old to be smacked into the reality of where he lives today. Prosecutors said Stephen sought revenge for a previous fight. Stevens still insists he was an, it was an accident using a gun the teens had stolen from a parked car. Here's a quick aside for you. I wasn't able to find which type of gun it was that was stolen. But just to give you an, an idea, if it was a revolver, there is no way it could have just gone off the trigger pull meaning the effort it takes to pull the trigger and actually fire the gun can be very heavy on a revolver. And they don't just go off without a whole lot of intention. So I'm not saying it couldn't have happened. I'm not even sure it was a revolver. I'm just giving you scenarios, just saying that with all of the other evidence and the action he was doing, adding the likelihood of the gun just going off doesn't sound too shocking. Okay. So I'm not saying how it, the gun went off, but the gun went off. If you add up the rest of the inf- information, you know, it's kind of a thing. So, okay. <clears throat> now back to the article. So St- Stephen's year in prison began at a facility in Vero Beach where violence was common, primarily among younger inmates, he said. The constant brawling hardened the stocky baby-faced teen. You see how they're painting him like that fat kid on Stand By Me? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, just, oh, I wish I wasn't doing it. Oh, grumpy. Oh, you're hurting me. Kenny says, what I've noticed in prison, win, lose, or draw, as long as you stand up for yourself, they'll leave you alone. Personally, no, nah, they don't. <laughs> it gets worse. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So also, here we go. The article says, now in his third prison, so he's been moved to three different prisons. Kenny sleeps among drug dealers, thieves, robbers, and the occasional killer. Mm. There are people who come to prison for murder, and they're not ashamed of it at all. 
They don't care about a living soul on the earth, Kenny says. He cried often as he spoke, but said he remained stone-faced around other inmates. Showing fear can be a death knell in the prison, he says. Okay. That's, I, oh, man. I mean, could you imagine if, like, these kind of articles were done for, I don't know, every Ted, murderer? Ted Bundy. Ted, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, like, good for you. you. You wrote an article. You found an angle and everything. But is it an angle that you should have taken? So here's a little math for you. Okay. He was sentenced and sent to prison in 2010. Okay. Mm-hmm. His sentence has a minimum attached of 10 years, which would have been 2020. Yet we're a year beyond that. Mm-hmm. This was also likely a first time offense on, on this level for him. Florida has some very supportive things about first time offenders. So if this kid is a little teary eyed boy who's innocent and doesn't have this wired into his natural behavior, does this kid do one day over 10 years, in your opinion? Like if, like, if he is the fat kid from Stand By Me and is in there with a bunch of monsters and he's not a monster, does this kid do one day over 10 years? No, absolutely not. And he's probably been a problem in prison and all that kind of stuff, too. Ted Bundy was a, was the wrong person to say right there. <laughs> Just oh, any murderer in any town. Like, no, well, no reporter's going to do a sob piece on him, is my right. point, you know. And, and my point in saying Ted Bundy is, is, like, any prisoner that you talk to could tell that exact same story that he told. That's what prison's yeah. like. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that, that, uh, that what, what was said and the way it was spun— I can't presume his innocence or his guilt, but what was said that he stays stone-faced in prison and and he learned if you stand up for yourself, those things, they get you in trouble in prison. If you stand up for yourself and you defend yourself, I get it. I get it. You got to find where you fit in prison. But the way that the article was written and then the fact of the matter that he's now in his 11th year of a 15-year sentence and he's sitting there and they're, you know, not on parole or anything like that, tells you if we rewind all the way to when this action actually happened that there's some likelihood that this was wired into this kid. Well, yeah. And and we're treating him like he's a victim at this yeah. point. And it's like, no, this is your punishment for victimizing somebody else. So deal with it. Yeah. That's what got me grumpy. And this is your punishment. Oh, by the way, your minimum punishment's 10 years and you're out. Oh, you're not out yet? Yeah. Yeah. I have a reason for thinking and being grumpy about the way this article was spun. It makes me, I don't know, kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, let's drop that because now my heart's racing and I... Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I can go on about it too, but I swallowed a fly and I don't know why I swallowed the fly. <laughs> I guess I'll die. Or at least it's an aphrodisiac and, you know, you're going to want to go lay down for a little while. I just think about all the garbage that they step on and poop and stuff and now I'm, it's in my stomach. Yeah. Circle of life, brother. Circle of life. (laughs) Uh, Hey, how about a happy ending? I'll take it. Okay. Hey, Luna, I have a couple jokes for you to Uh, start. Yep. Uh, Joke number one. Hey, Luna. Hey. Hi. I ate four cans of alphabet soup yesterday. Cool. Then I had probably the biggest vowel movement ever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Hey, Luna. I'm consonant-pated. (laughs) <laughs> consonant painted. That's good. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Someone called me stupid the other day, so take that person who called me stupid. <laughs> yeah, you got your words. You know words. Oh, uh, uh, hey Luna. Mm. 
Have you seen the movie Diarrhea? No. <laughs> it leaked, so they had to release it early. Uh. <laughs> okay, one more. Hey, Luna. Hey. Did you hear about the constipated accountant? No. Yeah, he couldn't budget. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you... Hey, Luna, can you guess what uh, what this happy ending might be about? <sighs> Poop. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you ready for me to hit play on this? Yes. It's fun. Okay, here we go. A high-speed chase. Step out of the car! And guns drawn in residential Enid. All starting with a traffic stop. At the wheel, this woman, Emily Owings, initially pulled over for not wearing her seatbelt. The only form of identification, her medical marijuana card. Your license is suspended? Why? I don't know. And now I'm waiting to see if you have warrants through Woods County <laughs> and... so bad. Where do you think I was birthday, going? Man. Huh? A bizarre excuse and her 28th birthday, not the only problem she's dealing with. Police say she wasn't supposed to be behind the wheel in the first place. A warrant out for her arrest in Winoka, allegedly fighting an officer. We need you to let me go. Because I know your license is suspended. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know it was. I won't drive no more, but can I please go home and go poo? This Enid officer calling for backup. You have warrants for Woods County and they're coming to get you. No, they're not. Sparking a pursuit, topping 70 miles per hour, blowing through stop signs and a school zone. Eventually stopping. Get out of the vehicle now! Arrested, off to jail, and her charges upgraded. You could have already been on your way to jail. Yeah, not pooping. Get in the car. Police searching Owings' car and finding a pipe, and inside of it, meth. In Enid, Peyton Yeager, Oklahoma's News 4. Okay, so, uh, poor, I guess poor lady, like, you know, you've had those moments where you're in the car and you know you're trapped, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, I don't yeah. know if this is going to happen. But, uh, yeah, so, okay, maybe acceptable as an excuse, you know, uh, uh but everything leading up to that, you're not getting off. You're not gonna. They're not gonna just let you drive home because you <laughs> need to go to the bathroom. You know what would have played well for her if she had to like crap herself in the car as she was driving away, or open the door and just dropped one, <laughs> just unloaded yeah. it at the police yeah. officer's toes. Yeah, but then she fled the scene. I was, <laughs> and she still had to poop when they caught her. Yeah, she didn't make any headway either way. Headway. Yeah. <laughs> And then she asked if she could poop in his car. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. They always do that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, there's a receptacle for that in the plastic seat I'm about to buckle you into. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway. Oh. That was a good one. I used, to, I used to work in a place where we clean out trucks. And I probably told the story before, but there would be certain trucks that would come in and uh, uh, where they had cut a hole in their seat and they would just dump right out the seat. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was one that kept coming through. It's like, this guy's just taking dumps right out through the seat out at the bottom. That's how he's able to work 18 hours straight. That's efficient. Also, mm -hmm. could you imagine being behind him going like 80 on the freeway? <laughs> Suddenly your windshield's like brown. Yeah. That was a huge bug. Yeah. Mystery corn. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I didn't know bugs ate corn. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was eating Cheetos the other day, and oh I go to give my my son some Cheetos, and he goes, "Oh, good cow food." I'm like, what do you cow mean cow food? Like, what do you mean? And then I look it up. And he, he's like, oh, "I don't know. I heard it somewhere." I look it up, and initially, how they came to with Cheetos is like they were processing corn in some way for 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 feed, and then they applied heat to it, and it puffed up, and then that's how they kind of came to find things like Cheetos. You know, those, really. Yeah. So it's it's feed grade corn. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Fed they upped it to human grade corn <laughs> okay. once they realized. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I don't know about your town, but my town here, cornfields everywhere. The same. Oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting to note, though, in a lot of rural uh, towns where there's a lot of corn, very little, if any, of the corn that's grown that you see in your town is actually food grade for humans or intended oh. for humans. Most of it is feed. It's I really interesting. Stealing corn from fields, you learn that. Yeah. It also made me wonder, like, uh, you know, for years, I'd drive by and I'd see a cornfield that I watched grow from, you know, little baby seedlings all the way to mature plants. And then they'd let it die. Like it would go right. to like yellow and wilted. And I was like, why did they waste the whole field? But no, it's actually, you know, at that advanced state, then they harvest it. And it's actually a shorter process to be able to process that food for cows or whatever. So that's right. That's weird. right. So do not try to steal corn from the, like on, around here. At least you go to grab a stock of corn, you open it up and it looks like a hobo's teeth, right? Yeah, exactly. All corny and like they <laughs> ate corn. <laughs> <laughs> the three nubs that got left are just covered in corn. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. All right. Well, I feel like I've I've said enough on corn. <laughs> Me too. And poop. All right. Hugs, everybody. Well, it feels great to be back in the swing of things with 911 Calls Podcast. Uh, getting back on the regular schedule so it comes out weekly feels really good. I'm glad that you stuck around and that you're still here listening to our 911 calls and our weird commentary. We've always got something crazy and new going on. Look us up on Facebook. I know everybody says that, but we've got some really cool communities over on Facebook. The 911 Calls podcast group, True Crime Kent has a group, and Dark Topic has a group. Each one is kind of a different animal. It's kind of interesting and pretty fun. Also, we've got Patreon. We're doing special things on both the $5 tier and the $13 tier. All said, we have 10 shows between our free shows and the ones that we do exclusively for Patreon patrons. So there's a raft of content just waiting for you. If you're interested, patreon.com forward slash 1159media or find us on Facebook and you're bound to find a friend. Hugs. Uh, 